First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct Rule 7.2e requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. My name's Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. I have my friend Paul Rip here with me today. How you doing, Paul? Very good, very good. And um, we have a couple of guests on the phone today. Uh, Range Russian is joining us from Texas, and Cade Kissler from Mobile Baywatch is on the phone with us. Um, guys, I wanted to start out by talking about an an article that I read last week. Gabe Tynes over at the Land App wrote it, and it was related to a... I hate to say clandestine meeting because it didn't happen in a parking lot at two o'clock in the morning, but it certainly wasn't, the public wasn't invited and um, it was not publicized as a public meeting. Um, it looks like Alabama Power Company uh, officials met with our legislative delegation and two members of the Bowen County uh, Commission to avoid any kind of quorum. And um, that was at the Fairhope Satellite Courthouse last Monday morning. Um, now, there were some comments from uh, the the head of the legislative delegation staff saying that um, it was completely, and it may be completely fine under the ethics law and the open meetings law, um, but it's certainly not the kind of uh, transparency that, or maybe it is the kind of transparency we've come to expect from our elected officials. Um, but anyway... Uh, there's another meeting that's been announced, and I did it. And in, in her defense, uh, Commissioner Underwood sent this notice out. Um, and there's going to be a meeting at the Loxley Civic Center Wednesday, October 23rd at 9.30 a.m. Marlon Cook, a retired geologist from the Alabama Geologic Survey, has reviewed an extensive amount of information related to the coal ash pond at Barry Steam Plant and we'll be on hand to answer any questions and more. So I guess we're planning on going to this meeting, one of us, either Paul or myself, and um, I guess we uh, – I really would like to know what kind of questions to ask, what are – you know, I, I don't want to just ask questions to hear myself talk. And so um, I was hoping – that um that Cade that you could give us give us some ammunition and and help us understand this issue um, related to the Barry Steam Plant and the coal ash pond that exists right on the banks of the Mobile River. So so Cade, if you want to, if you would take it away and just give us a rundown of um, Mobile Baykeepers perspective on what should be done with the coal ash and 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 what is coal ash number one can you answer that for me yeah absolutely um coal ash is what's left over after we burn coal so burn coal to produce electricity you got this ash left over and all of your carbon burns off you got most of your combustible things burn off but the things that you know we kind of a who's who of heavy metals and toxic pollutants are what's left behind after you burn that coal ash, the things that don't burn, right? So for a long time, uh, Alabama Power and utilities across the nation have, you know, basically hosed that ash down into a big pond, right? They're mostly on the side of rivers because they need water to produce steam. That's how these utilities produce our energy. Um, and then that, that water and that ash is slurried off into a big pond where it sits 
you know, basically in an earthen pond on the side of a river. Not a great spot to keep a whole bunch of ash that contains things like arsenic, cobalt, lead, mercury, and potentially even radioactive elements. Um, and I, I probably have some more questions here, so I don't want to, to ramble too long, but, you know, th- this whole thing takes a little setting up. There's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a lot through this whole story. So, and maybe we should start at the beginning. Um, it's my understanding that they started this coal ash pond in 1956. In other words, they they built the coal fire power plant right there on the on the banks of the river, and uh, they're actually taking in water to create steam to turn the turbines. Is that your understanding of how the coal plant works? More or less, yeah. Yep. And so then in 1956, they just went out there on the banks of the river, built a berm, and started putting that stuff in there. There's no liner under it. There's It's just whatever kind of material happened to be on the banks of the river. And, of course, that's alluvial deposits, right? Because the, the river moves left and right and meanders. That's what makes it a river. Um, so, and, and one of the things that, um, was in the, uh, the invite to the, to the October 23rd meeting, and let me, let me get that all out. Loxley Civic Center, Wednesday, October 23rd at 9.30 a.m. Um, one of the issues was if they did dewater and, and, and the, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about the difference in the scenarios, I understand that the EPA will allow them, uh, under the rules, they can either dewater the coal ash and cap it in place, which may just cover it up with dirt. And uh, the other alternative is to dig it all out and take it to a lined pond, um, which, which is also an alternative. But, of course, the difference in the cost in those two alternatives is the real issue. Is that your understanding? Well, yeah, not exactly, but but to a large degree, yeah. Let me and if you don't mind, let me just back up a little bit too. So, the, a couple of things to preface this with, you know, this is not anti-Alabama power. To be clear, this is for Mobile Baykeeper. This is about coal ash, twenty-one million tons of this toxic coal ash so shouldn't be left on the side of the river. Alabama power has been, you know, turning the power onto the state for a long time, right? They they built these ponds a long time before we had thought all this through. We understand that. And beyond that, I think it's it's important to say that, you know, that we're, we're happy when they're out after hurricane turning the power on. This is about a specific decision, right, to what we need to do with this coal ash for the future of coastal Alabama, our kids and grandkids, our water quality, our economy, right? So I just want to make that clear. Um, so they have this coal ash here for, for a long, long time. It's kind of all over the U.S. in different places and potentially have some issues over the years. All that's not really documented very well, but in 2008, this all came to a head because in Tennessee, there was an 80-acre coal ash pond, 80 acres, mind you, that, that collapsed and poured about 5 million tons of coal ash into some tributaries of the Tennessee River. This is in Kingston, Tennessee. And that spill cost over a billion dollars to clean up, not to mention impacts to real estate the local economy. Um, and then you've got today literally – there are hundreds of workers from that cleanup effort that are sick and or dying in people's homes that will never, you know, nobody's ever going to want to buy that property. It's, it's more or less valueless after that spill, right? So after that, the federal government started thinking, okay, we need to figure out how we can regulate this. And while they were thinking about it, it took them a while. Um, another spill happened in North Carolina. This one was the Dan River coal ash spill and cost millions of dollars to people that use that river for, 
ecotourism, for fishery, all those type of things, right? So that still cost millions more. So now that brings us to Plant Berry. And because of this rule that was eventually put into place, the coal combustion residuals rule, I'll just call it coal ash rule, then we end up with this decision at Plant Berry. Are we going to dewater this coal ash and cap it, as you mentioned, on the side of the river, or are we going to move it to an upland lined landfill that's not on the side of the river? So let me let me stop you there and just ask a point of question. Um, if people want to go to YouTube and search for coal ash 60 minutes, um, there's a really good uh, – uh, 60-minute segment that uh, AB, uh, CBS put up about the Tennessee Kingston spill. Um, I know at one time, I guess when they did that in like 2010, the EPA had not designated coal ash as a toxic substance. Do you know if it now has that designation? So coal ash is a hazardous waste, and at the end of the day, the utilities have a massive lobby, a number of massive lobbies, but they spent hundreds of millions of dollars lobbying that coal ash would not be designated hazardous. So while it is toxic and can kill and has literally, literally workers from that Kingston coal ash spill that are dead and or have very rare forms of cancer, um, it's not quote-unquote regulated as hazardous. <laughs> so... Um and I didn't mean to to stop your roll, but um, and I think oh. Reigns has been there. Reigns, you been in my hunting camp before up on the Tinsaw? I don't know where Reigns. We might have lost him. Um, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there I'm you here. are. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been to my hunting camp? You know, the only way to get there is by boat. You go up and leave Lower Bryant's Land. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, so, I've been saw it. It's it's. It's absolutely gorgeous and home of the smallest antler rack I've ever seen mounted on a wall. <laughs> but we have the, the largest cypress tree in the state of Alabama was on our family land, and we sold it to Forever yeah. Wild so that no one ever would never cut the tree down, right? Um, so mm-hmm. between my camp and um, the Berry Steam Plant, which is five miles almost exactly, um, there are the Bottle Creek Indian Mounds, which are about halfway and then over on the other side of the delta on the Mobile River side is the is the coal ash pile at Berry Steam Plant. So what do you think the chances are since 1956 that a bunch of this crap is leaked into the groundwater and chances are my well water at my camp is contaminated? You should check it. <laughs> well, we know I, I'm thinking about that it's it. leaking into the groundwater. I mean, we know that it's leaking into the groundwater right now because Alabama Power certified it. It's in their documents. They got a quarter million dollar fine at Plant Berry and a, a fine everywhere all over the across the United uh, across Alabama about this coal ash leaking into the groundwater. So we know it is. And all right. I, so that's I, another. I'm hoping your well is clean. That's another thing that I want to talk to you about. So it's my understanding that. Uh, and just for people who don't know, if you have a landfill or in, let's just say a, a garbage landfill, okay, ADM requires you to have what's called leachate wells. And all that means is you go drill a hole in the ground and you case it. And every once in a while you go over there and you and you go down a thousand feet or 300 feet or whatever the whatever the rules are from EPA and you take a sample of that water to make sure that none of the things that are up here in your um, in your landfill, none of that water is leaching into the groundwater and contaminating it. Um, so it's my understanding that 2018 was the first year that Alabama Power Company actually had to, or any company, had to report their leachate well t- res- test results, 
And that's what led to the fines at each of these different locations. Gaston uh, plant in Wilsonville. Um, those are the two that I'm aware of that were fined. Is that your understanding? Every single one of their coal ash impoundments, ponds, whatever you want to call it, received a quarter million dollar fine. And so that does include Gadsden, Gaston, which is near Wilsonville, right. Green, Gorgeous, Miller, Barry, et cetera. Okay, so I have two quick questions about this. Go for it. Um, first question the coal ash that's in these ponds, is this post? Or pre-recyclable. I mean, is the stuff that's there now? Could I go in there and dig out some of it and use it for cement clinker or aggregate or, or some kind of asphalt additive? Or is it there? Like everybody's already done as much recycling as they're going to do to it, no. and it just sits there. No, that, that's a great question. That's exactly what's happening in North Carolina and Virginia because they're recycling uh, like a million tons a year between the two states. And they're defraying the cost of removing this coal ash because they've decided in each of those states that leaving it on the side of the river is just a poor plan. Yeah. Well, okay. and well, one of the things is, in- is Alabama, hang on, hang on. Is Alabama power part of any kind of cap and trade agreement that allows them to, I don't know, dump some of that coal ash there because they are reducing emissions somewhere else? Not, not, not that I'm aware of. Okay. That's all I got. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Paul Rip here. What do you, I mean, you know, you got some pretty interesting statistics. You said that, but these ponds are not lined and have never been lined, the ones you're talking about up here at Barry, right? Right, correct. What would be, what do you think? I mean, of course, this is a wild estimate, but let's say that thing did break. What type of uh, monetary value you think you're talking about? Not not even counting the environmental, but I'm talking about just what do you think it would take to clean that up? You know, that is a really tough question, but I do know, I feel very confident saying it'd be more than a billion dollars. We know the Kingston spill, which was only about a quarter of the size of Barry, was more than a billion dollars. Some estimates at $3 billion, um, covered 300 acres, so that real estate was just lost. And beyond that, you know, the, the Kingston spill is in a, in a river. You imagine a typical river up in Tennessee, and it's kind of a straight channel. I mean, it meanders around, but it doesn't have, you know, Harry's talking about his camp in the desert. It's a labyrinth up there. Correct. And so I sent a map that we, we put together um, about what the inundation would look like, and this is based on, directly based on Alabama Power's emergency action plan. There are 30 square miles of the delta that within a few hours, that's kind of the area where you'd be running from a coal ash tsunami, right? This is the emergency inundation. Now, what happens over days, months, weeks, and years, we all know it's going to go downstream toward the bay, but there's 30 square miles of America, North America's Amazon that would be covered by coal ash if you had a spill. So catastrophic, billions of dollars. I, I don't even want to imagine it. Yeah, yeah. So, so Reigns, back to your point, one of the things that they're doing with it in, I think it was Maryland, and this is in the 60 Minutes piece that I'm plugging, that I'm telling everybody they need to go watch. Um, they were actually, you know how you drive past a golf course and it's hilly and it's all pretty and they go in there and they change the landscape to make it difficult and you can't see the pin and all that good stuff? Well, that's what they're doing with coal ash up there. They're building daggum golf courses with it. 
And the people that is, bought houses on that, that golf okay? course are crap and they're, I mean, they're flipping out. And what's happening is, let's say is it's lined on the bottom, right? But you build a golf course on top of it and then you have things like mole crickets that go down and dig a hole and kick that stuff up out of the hole. And coal ash is, is ash, literally. I mean, when, once it dries, it, it blows. It, it's a very fine powder. Uh, some of it is. So anyway, those are the kinds of innovative things that they're doing with this stuff. And I want to say they're putting it in, is it Corian countertop? I don't want to use a brand name, but I want to say I saw, saw somewhere they're using it as a filling material and countertops and all kinds of things that you just wouldn't imagine. Well, you can, if, you, if you refine coal ash, if you take flue ash, fly ash, coal ash, whatever you want to call it, even bottom ash, and you refine it and you know, heat blast it in such a way where you're you're cooking it down. You can use it as cement clinker. You can use it as a clay mm-hmm. substitute mm-hmm. in in aggregate materials. It it's, it can go on highway fillers. And that's exactly it's inert. You know, when it's been refined. But if they're just dumping raw coal ash and then putting grass on top of it, Jesus Christ! No, dude, you, you don't get it. Me. They're not putting anything on top of it. It's raining on it, and that rainwater is seeping down through the ground into the mud. Well, that's somebody up there lost their mind. If they're it's got to be refined coal ash. It can't be just dumped coal ash. There's no way. Well, but, all but right. So going, going back to what you're saying, though, that's exa- what, what, what you're talking about with refining coal ash is exactly what they're doing on site in Virginia, North Carolina. They're like, hey, we got to do something with this. Why don't we defray our costs? We'll build a, a burner essentially on site. Get this stuff refined and then put it in concrete and sell it for some money because it's used as an aggregate, right? As a raw material in that concrete manufacturer, and that locks up those those pollutants. Hey, yeah. I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about a, a, another, um, and because this gentleman gave me a good bit of his time, I, I want to give him a little bit of airtime here. So, the mayor of Wilsonville, population two thousand, is a guy named Mayor Lee McCarty. Uh, and so um, that is the what's called the Gaston steam plant, the EC Gaston steam plant. It has a 269-acre ash pond there. And Mayor McCarty, um, and it's 21 million tons uh, here in Mobile. Um, any idea how many tons of coal ash? Let's see, it says 20, 23 million tons of coal ash stored at the EC Gaston plant. And the the plan is is to cap in place. Now, um, I used to be the chief executive officer for Etowah County, which is uh, the city of Gadsden, Alabama, is located there. Um, are you familiar with that, um, that, that coal ash plant? Um, disposal that's happened in Gadsden, Alabama. I am. I'm not intimately familiar, but we've followed it because that's the first pit in Alabama power closed in place like they wanted to do at Barry, still leaking into the groundwater. Right. And so that's the only one that's been capped in place. And it's my understanding that they've already got groundwater contamination from that. Is that your understanding? Those first monitoring results they released after that cap they had groundwater contamination. They received a fine. Exactly. Okay. So the Gadsden cap is a failure, essentially, 
it, it did not work. Nobody expect. Well, I guess the power company expected it to work in the EPA. But um, at that little plant, what they did that was interesting was they burned the coal ash on one side of the river, and then they put it in some kind of slur. I guess they mixed water in it and piped it under under the river to the other side and just had an open pit there, and and eventually they came. I, was that in the last year that they capped that thing, or do you know how long it's been capped? Because it wasn't capped when I was there. No, I believe it was it's either October 17 or October 18. They've got some pictures on their little Alabama News Center PR site that they pretend is a real news site um, uh, of that process being done. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of those sites around. Um, so, so the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, some information that I got from Mayor McCarty was there in Alabama, we actually have a seven-member um, committee and the Alabama Environmental Management Commission, and they are the group who has oversight over ADEM. Is that your understanding? That's correct. And so I'm going to just rattle these names off. If you know some of them, give them a call. Tell them you're concerned about this stuff. It sounds like a damn dream team. I'm serious. I mean, the the people and their credentials and and the 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 uh, diversity of their backgrounds inspires confidence in me. Now, um, so Samuel Miller is a actual medical doctor. Uh, H. Lanier Brown the second is an attorney. Uh, Kenny McKinstry is a biologist. Thomas Waters is a professional engineer. Ruby Perry is a doctor of veterinary medicine. Uh, I don't know what Ms. Merritt, uh, Mary Merritt, she's on there. It just says at large. And then uh, John J. Massengill, the third. I wonder if he, never mind. Uh, don't do a, it. Is a professional geologist. Um, and their, uh, their, their executive assistant's name is Debbie Thomas. And the phone number to reach these folks is 334-271-7706. So that is your Alabama Environmental Management Commission. Okay, uh, let me ask you something. Why, why if, uh, I think you said it was Tennessee, where they actually do have some recycling going on and trying to do something with it, I think you mentioned Virginia, why would that not be the avenue that you would try to push Alabama power into? I mean, that seems like the more logical of anything that I've heard. I, I would love to know why they aren't doing it, too. I have not been able to find the answer to that question. We've asked about it several times, and the only thing that's been released to the public is about closure in place. There's not been any presentation of what these alternatives look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something out there, powers even looked at them. I don't know. Well, I mean, it, it just you know, you see something like this, and you just wonder why common sense doesn't come into place in a lot of this. I guess it's just the bureaucracy of government, but um, I mean, look at what the potential damage would be, and then there is an alternative to recycle. Wow, why wouldn't they just yeah. go that way? You know, absolutely. Well, we all agree that it's a terrible byproduct that just imagine if it were a nuclear power plant five miles from my hunting camp and they were taking the spent fuel rods and just stacking them up on the on the bank of the river um do you think people lose their damn minds at that point in time i don't know and here's the problem here's the the biggest problem the crux of the problem is they've got a real fancy plan to to how they're going to deal with groundwater it includes a whole bunch of things right 
and they, and they want to, you know, tell us that it's going to work. And, you know, I know different people have different opinions on that, but they want to pile this stuff up on the side of the river and cover it in place forever. And that arsenic, it doesn't break down. It's not going to go anywhere. So there's a bunch of ifs in their plan, and I'm real skeptical of how they're going to stop this groundwater pollution that they've certified as ongoing in a pond that they've certified as unlined. But at the end of the day, that river is going to be on the side of this coal ash pond for our kids, our grandkids. And you're telling me that you think that Alabama Power is going to protect that coal ash pond forever and always make sure that there's never a spill, never any erosion from that river, and it's never going to spill downstream it's just a short-sighted decision. Even if all these ifs work out okay on their groundwater, again, I'm real skeptical of that. You're going to have arsenic and all these other heavy metals sitting inside this pond waiting for that major hurricane, that Hurricane Harvey, that Hurricane Florence. And if that comes one day, be it tomorrow, be it twenty, it's going to be waiting to pour out into North America's Amazon and Mobile Bay. So why we want to leave it in the side of a river in an unlined pit rather than following the lead of Virginia, the lead in North Carolina, the lead of South Carolina, and a whole bunch of the facilities in Georgia, because they were moving 250 million tons of coal ash across the southeast. I don't understand, and I can't get my mind around it. Well, so let's talk about this real quick, and and this ties into something that we've been kicking around here since we got started, which is the regulation of private sewer in Baldwin County, the fact that the Public Service Commission is regulating Alabama Power Company does regulate their rates. They do have to provide financial information to make sure that they're financially viable. And my question is, I wonder if I wonder if anybody at the Alabama Power Co- I mean, at the Public Service Commission, looks at the power company and says, "Huh, you guys got about a billion dollar liability laying out there. I sure hope you've laid laid aside some funds to take care of it." Has have and you heard any of that talk? I, so what? Yeah. I'm just wondering if you've heard any of that talk from the Public Service Commission. If, if if any regulatory agency has said, hey, look, Alabama Power Company, we know you have a problem. We hope you have the money to fix it, and we hope you're budgeting accordingly for it. Or is it just right. – are they just sitting back going, I wonder what, I wonder what our elected officials are going to decide to make them do? You see what I'm getting well, at? I, I do, and I, I don't know a lot about the Public Service Commission uh, specifically, but I can say that the, the rates have already been raised to deal with this coal ash closure. We're, we're already paying an increase to about $3 a month. Um, in Virginia, they were moving almost 30 million tons of coal ash for $5 a month. So we're going to pay 3 bucks a month to leave it on the side of the river where it's eventually going to collapse in the river, whether that's tomorrow or sometime in the future. Or we can pay five bucks a month to put it in a line landfill where if anything happens, at least it's not on the side of North America's Amazon, the most biodiverse, you know, economically strong area in the U.S. and upstream of Mobile Bay. So, I, you know, I don't I don't know what to say with them. They've already raised our rates, already paying for it. So we ought to pay to do it right rather than pay to leave it on the side of the river. And just one more one more uh, point about uh, their corporate structure alabama power company is a subsidiary of the southern company is that your understanding that's correct and over in georgia georgia power they're not leaving any of this crap on the side of the river they're digging it all up aren't they well i think they're leaving a few ponds but all the ones that are most vulnerable they're removing it and they've even got a pond plant mowing where they're taking this and lining it in place it's a 20 million ton pond almost the same size as barry and they're going to line it in place. So, you know, one way or another, their coastal ponds, they're either digging it up and moving it or they're lining it or they're doing something more. So I don't know why that's 
you know, what Georgia deserves, but not what Alabama deserves. Because as an Alabamian, born and raised, I feel like we deserve clean water, a strong economy, and, and to do this thing right. So here's here's something funny. Uh, if you go back and watch the 60 Minutes um, piece on the Tennessee f- spill, they show these – you know, a barge over there and it's got, it's, it's got a big old track hoe on it and it's reaching down in the water, scooping up this coal ash, putting it into rail cars. Guess where they're sending the damn rail cars? Alabama. I know where they're sending them. <laughs> they're sending them to line ponds in Alabama to dispose of the waste. You know, we're the dumping ground for the country. It's just a shame. There's no political will. When you say that, Kate, is that really the the biggest stopping point right there. There's just not the political will to address it. I mean, you know, Alabama power just uh, procrastinates and prays the thing doesn't break. Uh, uh, Baykeepers and several others see the obvious, but without that political will, we just can't seem. It's the same thing with the Baldwin County sewer. I mean, we're the only county that's not regulated. It, It just makes you go back and think, how did we get in this situation? So, and, and, and you, uh, I was just going to say, you watch like Alabama Power have a meeting with elected officials and they tell Gabe Times from the land app, you can't stay here. I mean, what, what kind of meeting do you need to have where the public can't be involved? I mean, are you saying something there that you're not going to say to everybody else? It, it, it's just, it, it's really sad to see because Alabama Power does so much for this state, giving back, taking care of us when the power goes out. They've got so many employees that work, you know, amazingly hard. I know many of them. And to see that, it's just tough to see and understand what kind of decision they're making. Well, and there's a there's a whole lot of money in play. One of the things that Gabe claims that he discovered, or he put it in his article, was that uh, Alabama Power Company just created a new uh, political action committee or PAC, funded it to the tune of $100,000 and spread all that money around in the 2018 election. There's your political will. Well, and and, <laughs> yeah. and and you know, and that one one of the things, and and it's not so. And nobody here is saying Alabama Power Company's corrupt. I know a lot of people that work there, good, fine people. Um, it's just that they're in a they are a big fish in a small pond monopoly. They and they and they have a lot of yeah. influence, and we all agree that this is a monumental disaster waiting to happen and we all know what we need to do about it it's just what's the political will out there and let me let me leave you with a few things regarding that so i don't know how much longer you want to go but let me just make sure we get this in mobilebaykeeper.org slash coal ash real simple you can go send a letter to all your elected officials uh we have an action alert up about coal ash you can rewrite our letter write whatever you feel confident with um, secondarily, I think it's important to note that there will be public meetings. These public meetings are a part of the administrative order, the fines that Alabama Power got, and people need to attend those. The dates haven't been announced. I assume that they'll come out and it'll be 30 days, you know, we'll have to, to get people attending there, but they need to show up because in North Carolina, they showed up and they packed out auditoriums and conference centers and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, the guy that's the head of the North Carolina Department of Environmental Management, he said, look, we studied this extensively, and science points us clearly to removal and excavation as the only way to deal with this problem. I mean, that was what he said after he looked at it all. So people need to show up and make their voice heard at those public those public meetings. 
So, Kate, I want you to stick around for a few more minutes. Reigns, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. So, I I love to make Reigns' head explode. <laughs> so, in um, there there's an article, and we're going to throw it up on our Facebook page. It says, Bentley defends chief of staff's power company work. And this was uh, originally posted in, on, in April of 2015. Um, long story short, Reigns, the chief of staff to Governor Robert Bentley did not receive a salary from the state, but instead was paid was being paid by Power South Energy Cooperative. So why would you need to worry about lobbying anybody when the when the ethics commission say it says it's completely fine for this guy who works from the power company to come serve as the governor's chief of staff? Well. I can't understand how people would turn a blind eye to that. I mean, I understand the revolving door policy, but by law, this guy isn't an elected official, so is he not covered under that? Well, if no one says anything, nothing happens. Uh, yeah, it says that he was, uh, the governor's office describes Hammett's employment as an executive loan arrangement with Alabama, with uh, not Alabama Power Company, Power South. An executive loan arrangement. I, yes, sir. And and just so you know, Seth Hammett is was was at one time the the speaker of the House of Representatives for the state of Alabama. Right. So it's not like this is just some guy that works for the power company. He's plugged in. He's you know, I can't believe he isn't like every other former chief of staff who now has a lobbying firm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, so well, that's the kind of influence that these power companies have in in this little pond of a state. Okay, uh, let me ask you one more thing. You know, we just had a very, very successful uh, uh, petition thing over the bridge and the toll rate. And what happened there is, as soon as that petition on this particular issue, as soon as that petition hit fifty thousand. The politicians knew right away the writing was on the wall that they rode this train, they were going to absolutely get voted out of office. So I just wonder if there isn't a, you know, something that could be initiated uh, and certainly adopted by everybody else, but by from Baykeeper, some maybe similar type of a uh, real strong petition that reached out there to, about this coal issue, issue. Is there any petitions like that we've been putting four of those letters let's see if i'm am i muted can y'all hear me yeah we got you sorry okay we've been putting four of these letters and we've sent several hundred of those but you know i've been interested to see if some kind of facebook uh, coalition would start like that where people would start petitioning it and so far they haven't but i think it'd be a great thing if there's a listener that's interested in this issue and besides they're fired up and ready to make a difference it'd be it'd be awesome to see somebody start something like that well the the shelby county mayor's association passed a proclamation earlier this year encouraging uh or demanding the removal of the coal ash and also something else uh mayor mccarty's been able to do is to get the alabama league of municipalities to adopt resolutions requiring removal of coal ash from ponds that would that are adjacent to bodies of water that would uh, be a, a pattern after rules adopted in other states. 
So yeah, there are people out there trying to get some things done, but you know, he, he seems to be the Pied Piper right now. Um, my question is, is why isn't Sandy Stinson jumping up and down? Why isn't the Mobile County, uh, legislative delegation where is uh where is the coastal alabama partnership and mr blankenship when we need him um well seems like he's busy taking people to to dc for a wine and dine but doesn't have time to address uh the tensile time bomb i believe is what the lanyap uh series is called on it if you want to go read up on everything yeah i'm not real uh knowledgeable the the press well, whatever it's called, some paper, at least it purports itself to be that, that published it. But uh, Wiley Blankenship was quoted, you know, saying pretty much that coal ash wasn't really a big issue and that Alabama Power had it handled. I, I'm paraphrasing, so please, you know, read his own quote before you take me there. But that's basically what he said. Yeah. Well, that didn't, that doesn't sound like somebody that's very well informed about what coal ash is. Um, well, I think, unfortunately, Alabama Power has a lot of information they're giving out and they've got a big machine with a lot of money behind it. And these politicians have known these Alabama Power folks for a long time. So they're telling them this is going to be okay. And, and, you know, they're more or less taking them at their word. I, I, I think it's unfortunate. And Alabama Power's got a lot of data that they can make it look real pretty. But at the end of the day, their liability period is 30 years. And you ask any scientist, this arsenal's going to be here for hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, until it gets blown out into the Gulf of Mexico and poisons everything along the coast. Or we grow a brain and deal with this stuff like we ought to. So I've thought about doing something on the show, and um, I think I'm going to get it started on this episode. I'm going to call it the Backwood Southern Lawyer Challenge. And I challenge anyone um who is a, a a member of this uh alabama environmental management commission to come down here and walk barefoot from one end of this coal ash pit to the other next to barry steam plant and let's just see how your health uh see how your health progresses from that point forward we'll give you a couple years you know uh of uh medical care so that we can figure out just exactly how bad this stuff is um, I don't think anybody's going to take me up on that. No, either. I, I do know, just, just from a quick bit of research, that the, the the EPA, you know, they went after Alabama Powell in 2006. And they they did a, there was a large settlement, $200-something million, that they were going to upgrade their pollution control. And the Southern Environmental Law Center, got involved and the case got appealed to the Supreme Court in 2006, but I don't know what the outcome of that was because the SELC wasn't satisfied with the, the claims regarding five of their coal fired plants and as a result in their coal ash problem. Uh, do you have any idea of how that lawsuit fared? So if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, I think that lawsuit was about air quality issues and that they had to do some, some upgrades and change out some things at some of the plants. But I, I may be thinking about a different suit. So, um, okay. Kay, let me ask you this. The Southern Environmental Law Center, are you familiar with their work? Um, yeah, I am. And, and so um, I understand we have a location in Birmingham. Is that your understanding? I've called them. I have not heard back from them. I don't know. Do, do they have a position on this coal ash issue? Are they poised yeah. to file a lawsuit if nothing's done about it? I just, I don't, 
I don't know enough about them, and I tried to educate myself before the podcast. So please impart any knowledge that you have about them to us, would you? Sure. So Southern Environmental Law Center's done a ton of work on coal ash throughout the southeast. They're, they're like in six states down here. Um, and they've done a lot of work in Alabama. We've partnered with them on several things, including we've got a 200-something page pollution report that if people are, you know, they want to know that I'm just like me, that all the information's there. So if you're going, well, this guy's landed on the phone on this podcast, it's all on our website. But uh, they, they helped us produce that. And they've done a lot of work. Now, if they're poised to file a lawsuit or not, I can't speak for them in that regard. So, Cade, why don't you uh, tell us uh, about Baykeeper, what your uh, what what your purpose is, who your board members are, how we can support you, or how the listeners can support you if they want to. Give me a rundown of all that, please, sir. Absolutely. So, Mobile Baykeeper, we're an environmental nonprofit. We've been around for about 22 years. The folks around here may be familiar with some of the work we've done that include things like uh, Clean Water Act lawsuit against the Mobile Area Water Sewer System, and their spills have greatly reduced because of that. We actually have a good partnership with that team now because they, they're focused on doing the right thing. Um, and, and to that effect, we focus on three major types of issues, right? We, we work a lot on trying to, trying to force responsible growth. We're, we're all for a strong economy. We want to see jobs. We live down here, too, but we want it to be done in a way that doesn't you know, harm or, or endanger our resources, the rivers, the creeks, the streams, the bays that we like to fish and boat and swim in, right? We want those to be around for kids, grandkids, and a long time after that. Uh, we work a lot on resolving pollution issues. So this is, we think hard and long about what's going on with sewage spills, what's going on with construction, stormwater, and especially with industrial pollution. And, and you know, if it's a rainy day, I'm probably somewhat out there in waiters with a number of our staff taking samples and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, because we work really hard to be an informed voice of reason. We don't just, you know, spout off on something before we've thought about it. We spent several years working on this coal ash issue, going up to plant Berry by boat, taking flights, doing our work before we came out on it. Um, and then finally, the third major thing we work on is, is education and engagement. I'll tell you that that's a lot of fun. We go out to schools. We talk to thousands of students. Um, we're in several schools year round where we take those students out monitoring their area waterways and have a great time doing that. And that's a long-term solution, but we're not going to stop doing what we have to do in the meantime to try to protect Mobile Bay and all our coastal waterways. Um, if people want to get involved, there's a ton of info on our website at mobilebaykeeper.org, and you can become a member because we are supported to a large degree by our members. That's where we know that people believe in our mission of clean water, want to see Mobile Bay continue to improve and continue to be protected from pollution and uh, and they support our work, and that makes all the difference. Because when we take the boat up to Plant Berry, and we take samples for heavy metals, or whether we go out to talk to students and we you know pay for their lunch and show them how to monitor and buy those supplies, or, or our swim program um, that tells people which beaches have high bacteria and which ones do not have high bacteria levels, um, all that stuff costs money, right? It, it doesn't happen for free. So, um, we've been talking a good bit about. Uh, and this may be outside of your wheelhouse of expertise, but um, the Bone County Sewer Service has a um, recently got a permit in 2018 to to um, and it was an alternative to releasing their effluent as surface water. Okay, um, they got a permit to put 1.2 million gallons of sewage effluent uh, actually injected into the ground. In other words, just all being absorbed. Uh, through the through the uh, 
and like I said before, uh, all of Fort Morgan is basically a barrier island that's nothing but a big sandbar. So that that is uh, mm-hmm. going into the ground and being absorbed. Um, are you familiar with anybody else in the area that ha- that disposes of their effluent in that manner? Does malls have? I, I'm familiar with almost everything on this side of the bay. I'm just not familiar with malls or Mount Vernon or Satsuma, any of those towns. Um, do you know if they, if any of them have a deep well injection permit? I don't know of anybody that has a deep well injection permit. I think there's one in Pensacola under Emerald Coast that does. They release it into a, tr- a constructed wetland after they've done their treatment, and it, it infiltrates in that wetland. Um, but I hadn't seen, because I know at Fort Morgan, that's kind of what they used to do, was let it go off into a wetland that was built behind the facility right. and down into the ground. But So they're doing deep well injection now, is that? Well, it, that's really a misnomer. I called ADM and found out about the permit and what they're basically doing. If you go look at it on Google Earth, it's all the way over to the, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with the, the layout, uh, towards the north over um, to the east of their site, there's a pond there. And they're not injecting it. They're using, they're bubbling it into that pond and it's seeping into the groundwater. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, it's not really a deep well injection uh, process where they're going under the aquifer. I, I, I misspoke. So they're kind of letting it bubble down into that, down into that wetland. Is that? Well, it's not a wetland. It's just a, it's just a pond. And, okay, and gotcha. they've got it. They've got to make sure that it doesn't spill over the sides. But the 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 purpose of it is for it to absorb into the ground. Um. Anyway, gotcha. that was just uh that was something that I, I I was wondering about. Um. Are you familiar with Alabama's underwater forest? Have you? I know uh-huh. you, you chimed in on uh, the Alabama or America's Amazon. I think that was a a, a rains film also. Um. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to run this thing down for a while. And, uh, of course, Paul here owned a dive company down in Belize for about – how long were you down there, Paul? 16 years. Yeah. And uh, I've been diving since I was 17. And uh, we want to go out there and dive it. Well, nobody will give us the longitude and latitude, nobody from the state and nobody from the Corps. Um, I called the commissioner's office and said, hey, I'm a resident, a diver, and uh, a taxpayer and i'd like to go dive on this resource and they said well it's not ours to give you permission it's in federal waters and we think that the corps of engineers has jurisdiction over it um and it's funny because uh nobody at the court looked at this law in a long time until i called them but it's the rivers and harbors act of 1899 and it gives uh i guess uh yeah it it protects the and i guess it would protect shipwrecks or anything any other natural formation but certainly we'll we are familiar with the fact that the federal government owns the bottom of the gulf of mexico and can lease it for oil and gas exploration or any other purpose and so they would be the ones charged with protecting and or making sure that nobody's out there with a barge picking up those fifty thousand year old logs making rocking chairs out of them or coffee tables or whatever but what i want ultimately is to get permission from somebody in an official capacity to say you can go out there and you can dive on it you can't take a twig you can't do any of that kind of stuff and then we want to make it a public thing i mean i think people would come from all over the world to dive on a fifty thousand year old cypress forest or i i would like to think so um 
so anyway that's just a little update on that Cade, you got anything else that you want to impart to us today sir I think uh, people go to mobilebreakkeeper.org slash coalash and they're interested in this issue. There's a lot of information and there's an action alert where they can send a letter to their elected officials. It's easy and painless. If you want to write a whole letter, it might take you a few minutes. If you want to send one of the pre-written ones that we have, it'll take you 30 seconds. And it's an important issue. Island Power is going to maintain this thing for 30 years. That arsenic is going to be there for 100 years after that. And there's no reason for us to make a short-sighted, uh, decision now when it costs just a bit more to do the right thing and move this stuff to an upland law landfill or recycle it and protect the Delta, protect the Bay, protect the Gulf Coast for a long, long time to come. Um, that's it. That's it's simple. Let's make the right decision. Well, uh, also, you mentioned several times uh, North American Amazon, the one that Ben Raines did. Of course, he did that underwater forest as well. But, but people should, uh, if you haven't seen... Uh, that production of North America's Amazon, you really should watch that. That'll give you a little bit more respect about what we're talking about and what the concerns are. Uh, thanks yeah, and, thanks you know, a lot, it, Cade. Thank you. I, I was going to say, even beyond that, it's, it's our environment. I care a lot about that personally. If you don't think that that's important, some people do, it's our economy. Because if you close that river down, it's going to be a lot of money, and there's no telling how long it'd take to clean it up. And when you talk about the reputation of the Gulf Coast and you talk about something on top of the BP oil spill, nobody wants to come here as a tourist to, to come to this place where, you know, it's about an environmental disaster documentary. They want to come to a beautiful place. So let's keep it the way that, that ensures our economy strong, too. I mean, Yeah, we already and, tried and, that about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, Harry, you asked me one more thing at the start of the, the top of the show, and you said, what questions should people ask? And I think there's a lot of this stuff about groundwater that's really complex, and, and Marlon can explain a lot of that. But it, the important question to me is, how are you going to prevent a spill forever? Because you're going to leave this on the side of the river forever. And so people need to be asking that question. They're going to build a redundant dike that's going to protect from a 500-year storm. I've got a table somewhere where you see how many 500-year storms there were in the last 10 years, and Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Florence. Uh, that doesn't make me real happy. I, I don't think that's the best plan. I'm here to tell you, we've had two 500-year rain events in my neck of the woods in the last four months. There you go. I just show you right there. Well, Texas is the seventh level of hell, so <laughs> monsoons and locusts, rivers turning into blood, and all that's to be expected right. in Houston, Texas. Right? You, you know, though, Cade, your, your, your point's well taken, too, because I've probably spent most of my life in tourism of one point or another, and it always fascinates me that, you know, tourism, like in Belize, they didn't have to build anything. It was all there. It was all natural beauty. And you have the same thing here with the five rivers and, and what we have. And you would think that that is the priority, that that would be the driving force to correct something like this because you're jeopardizing an entire industry that, uh, well, this county alone is providing somewhere between 33 and 40% of the Alabama budget. Yeah, and it's a heritage. I mean, it's beautiful waterways is who Mobile and Baldwin County is. Let's not sacrifice it to save Alabama Power a little bit of money over the short term. We know this can be done. If it's done in Virginia and it's done in North Carolina, it's done in South Carolina, Alabama, for all the things that it has difficult, we can do something like this if we decide it's the best thing to do. So let's not sacrifice it to save Alabama Power a little money over the next decade. Let's do the right thing. And when is the Conservation Commissioner going to wade in like John Wayne on this thing? Because – how many millions of dollars have we spent on our forever wild program to preserve the these beautiful woodlands and swamps 
just to have a damn coal ash pile <laughs> right across the river from it. You know what I mean? I mean, it just yeah, it oh, seems yeah. completely dysfunctional that they would that that the conservation department hasn't come out swinging on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, Cade, we're going to let you go. Um, we've got a video queued up, and I think it's from your website, Cade. We're going to uh, snag some of your stuff. Please don't hit us with a copyright strike, and we will talk to you later. All right. You guys have a good one. Thanks for having me on. You Thank, too. You. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Bye now. We are here because of our natural resources around us. economic development has happened because of those features we have to make sure that those are here for generations to come and it's not a choice we don't have a choice of losing that we have to do what's necessary to make sure that that's there forever you know in Mobile Alabama you don't have to go very far to enjoy the things we do and then fishing hunting uh, just being in the outdoors uh, and so we, we really appreciate the opportunities that Mobile and Bowen County present to us. My name is Wayne Keith. I'm president of the board of Mobile Baykeeper. I'm in the air conditioning business here in Mobile, and we have a firm that's uh, 54 years old. I'm actually a native Mobilian. My parents moved uh, to Mobile in the late 40s. So there was a responsibility always there that, that we, we had to take care of the, to the, the environment around us and it got more involved in, in the business community and the recreational community around Mobile. We started to understand we had to take care of both of those. And so, you know, we now as a family, I mean, it's obviously with our involvement with Baykeeper and other organizations, you know, they've become to appreciate, you know, what we have to go through to make sure that we can keep the quality of life where we want it. Unfortunately, our quality of life is in jeopardy. There is a threat looming in the Mobile Tensile Delta that has already destroyed communities across the southeast. People in Roan County, Tennessee, still aren't sure this evening just how bad a disaster they are facing after a coal ash spill that has covered neighborhoods and choked local rivers. Millions of tons of ash and sludge came pouring out when a dike at a coal plant gave way this week. But it's what's in that sludge and its potential long-term health effects that is causing the greatest worry tonight. Every year, power plants generate 140 million tons of coal ash, enough to fill a train stretching from the North Pole to the South Pole. It contains chemicals like arsenic, mercury, and lead. It can cause cancer and developmental problems. It poisons fish and wildlife in rivers and lakes. In some places, the ash is dumped into uncovered pits. In others, it sits behind leaky dams. Alabama Power is deciding to put profits before public health. We believe that closing and capping these facilities in place on our plant sites is the safest, most effective, and most cost-effective option for us. That process doesn't sit well with Mobile Baykeeper Director Casey Callaway. We see the strong possibility that any of that coal ash could get into the groundwater, it could leak into our rivers. We don't know, and we know there's a lot that they will have to do to study to, to ensure that that won't happen. 
but it seems like a no-brainer, and they have a chance to go ahead and do the right thing and lead and let Alabama be a leader on this issue. Across the state of Alabama, there are nine coal-fired power plants. At each of these plants, there are giant unlined ponds of coal ash sludge that are held back by large dams right along the edge of our rivers. Plant Berry, located 25 miles straight up Mobile River from downtown Mobile, is where more than 16 million tons of coal ash sits in a 600-acre pond directly adjacent to the Mobile River and Mobile Tensaw Delta, one of the nation's most biologically diverse ecosystems. If the dam failed, tons of coal ash sludge containing heavy metals such as arsenic and mercury would go crashing into the rivers, impacting acres of land and miles of waterways. A potential disaster at Plant Berry would not only be devastating to our environment, but also to our economy and our way of life. We depend on clean water as a source of recreation for swimming, fishing, hunting, and boating. But we also depend on it for the health of many important industries like seafood, tourism, and shipping. That is why Alabama Power needs to do the right thing and move the coal ash to a line landfill away from our rivers rather than leaving it to threaten the Delta and the Bay for years to come. We have already experienced one disaster. Our economy and environment cannot afford another one. Join us in taking action. Protect your home, coastal Alabama, from a coal ash catastrophe. We need you to tell Alabama Power to dig up the coal ash and move it to an appropriate, lined landfill away from the river. Visit our website at mobilebaykeeper.org where you will find a pre-drafted letter to send to Alabama Power, or you can write your own. We need your voice because as a community, we can win the battle against coal ash. So we hope everybody liked that and learned a little something. So Paul, give us a, give us a rip report report. All right. I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on. Of course, and Lanyap has written another very, very good story called Up and Up for Auction. And this is all related to the uh, straw man article that was a couple of weeks ago and Baldwin County sewer and all of that. And it's very, very interesting article. It's, it's too hard to give you a report on it. You should read it yourself. But it just goes to show you how people with money can make more money and just the amount of corruption that exists um, uh, in the county. So go to the article, particularly if you've been following the straw man articles, and read that. Something of a little bit of a lighter note is that uh, for over 35 years, I think just about the 35th anniversary, uh, Lynn Rayburn and Joe Gilchrist, Joe Gilchrist of the Florabama, Almost everybody knows Joe. We've never been there, have we, Reigns? <laughs> no, they. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know what the inside looks like. Oh, well, really, I, I, I've always thought they should have a badge, you know, a patch that you got, you know, <laughs> that what you went if you survived or not. <laughs> so but one anyway. time, so one, one time I climbed the Diamond Head Crater in Hawaii, and when I got to the top, there was a guy charging five dollars for a certificate. <laughs> I bought two of them. I put one in the damn safety deposit box, 
And the other one I carry in my wallet. And anytime somebody says, hey, you want to climb Diamond Head, I pull that bad boy out. And I'll say, no, sir, I've already done it. And I'm never doing it again. Well, well they that's how I felt the last time I left the Florabama after about 17 uh, tequila sunrises. And uh, It's truly an I may I may go back for the, is it the Frank Brown Songwriters what, Festival? Uh, right. And uh, also, you know, uh, Joe started a lot of these things when he had the uh, Floribama. But this, this particular film has just been completed. It's called Stories in Rhyme, the Songwriters of uh, Floribama Lot, or Lounge. And what some people not, might not understand is that the Fra- Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival is the longest-running song writer festival in the world so that documentary or that film will be out real soon and as soon as it comes out we'll be uh sharing that with you um but keep your eyes open for that uh the other thing is what's happening in fairhope we were we never know uh with the rip report in baldwin county legal legal we really never know what in the world is going to set people off or get their attention which articles will do it and which won't. But the last two, Corridor of Chaos and Sold to the Highest Bidder, just blew the site uh, up by almost 3,000%. 3, so I'm hoping that the people in Fairhope are paying more and more attention to the, uh, the amount of sheer density that's headed their way. Uh, they've got a total of over 566 apartments being completed or soon to be approved Uh, also in Fairhope uh, to add to the drum over there the city council is still pursuing the two points the city council three members are still pursuing the 2.65 million dollars worth of rec land that they don't have the money for they have no plan to use the land for years and they're ignoring their capital uh, capital projects as well as recreational projects that they have online. So October 29th is going to be the council meeting where the corridor of chaos is going to come up and maybe the recreation land again. Uh, they have been pushing this recreation land just as hard as they possibly can. Everybody is real curious as to why this is so urgent but uh, I think probably since it's in the news, looks like another quid pro quo to me. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we won't go any further than that on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is podcast number seven. Again, I'd like to encourage people that are listening to us uh, to call us up, give us some tips, tell us what concerns you. We're getting one, two, three calls a week on some very, very interesting subjects. People are coming out and telling us details on things that we didn't know. So we, and we will keep you anonymous if that's what you wish. So please cooperate with us. And I hope that if you can participate in any way at all on the coal ash thing that you will, because it does involve every bit of us. And I just want to give everybody a little preview of, uh, of, October 25th, um, we're going to be talking again about the Coastal Alabama Community College uh, corruption investigation. Um, Mr. Rip actually went to the Baymanette City Council meeting and again uh, 
ask them for some documentation related to those uh, bungalows that the North Bowen Utilities Board bought from the Mayor's Family Trust. Um, also, we're going to have two. Uh, we're finally going to get to use our microphones, Reigns. Besides just me and Reigns, um, we're going to have a couple. Of, uh, we're going to have a couple of guests, and I'm not going to give away too much, but uh, they're going to come here and talk about some some issues they've had in our court system. And I'm probably going to not participate in that segment. And I'm going to let will. you and Paul take care of that. Um, because yeah. there's, there's some, there's some rules of professional conduct that I really don't even want to pretend to tamper with. Um, and, uh, in that, that in particular, um, another thing that we haven't brought up, but we, I've posted the law to our Facebook page, is the Alabama revolving door policy. Um, I think the chancellor of the two-year college system may have a little issue with that. And also um, one former staff member from the Gulf Coast Recovery Commission range, that, that's the, those, that was the organization tasked with deciding who got what of the BP oil spill money. Um, and it's right. my understanding that, that the director of that has now, has now gone to work uh, doing marketing for one of the local engineering firms around here. And I think that engineering firm got a little money from the Gulf Coast Recovery Commission. So um, anyway, we'll be highlighting that. Um, a lot of people ask me, how did I get a woman like Doodle? So Doodle, Doodle, Doodle is over in Ocean Springs right now. It's her dad's birthday. And um, somebody donated a couple of flounder to the Keep Harry Fat campaign. Um, and so when she gets home, she's going to get some baked flounder casino stuffed with gluten-free shrimp stuffing. And uh, yeah, so that, that's how you hang on to a woman like that, boys and girls. Um, I wanted to leave you with, um, a a conversation that, uh, I had, uh, I think it was Tuesday morning, um, with, uh, state Senator Cam Ward. Um, he holds many different positions. Uh, he's the. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman. He's also the the president of the Alabama Law Institute, and we talk a little bit about what that, uh, what's happening, what's happening with them, and what they do. But mainly, um, he's a person that I worked with for seven years. Um, he did economic development for the city of Alabaster, and I was the city planner. So we have a lot of history. He, I hate to see him go, but he's announced that he's going to run for. Uh, Supreme Court, Alabama Supreme Court, place number one, and I would encourage people to to support Cam. He's a he's a good man, and uh, I think he's one of the few people out there who who really does have your best interest at heart when he pulls that lever yeah. or cast a vote. So um, yeah, Nick, I'm going to try to push the right button, and I think you're going to run a little. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to be on camera for this, so I'm going to leave you guys with it. Reigns, we as always, we appreciate you participating, and uh, why don't you give us your little little spiel about how we should like and subscribe and all that? Absolutely, please take a moment, like and subscribe to Backstory Podcast on YouTube. We'd love to welcome your feedback there, as well as the Twitter account that I know that uh, Harry has set up now. And also on Facebook, give us a like, give us a view, drop a comment, let us know how we're doing, let us know how we can help you get involved. And if you're looking for, going on right now. and if anybody's looking for any data 
all of these articles, everything we've talked about, we have posted them to our Facebook page is backstory podcast on Facebook. So go check it out. And I'm going to roll this. Nick, are you ready to go? You guys have a good one. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. I wanted to pick your brain about, um, I'm going to be up in Shelby County with judge Alvis on Friday and, okay. and while I'm there, I'm going to go over and see uh, Lee McCarty. Um, I'm yeah. sure you, oh, he's the mayor over in Wilsonville. Wilsonville. Wilsonville, yeah. Yeah. So, so we've we've got some issues that are similar to some issues in Shelby County. Not only the private sewer, um, but uh, the, the coal, coal, ash. coal ash. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm gonna come over there and talk to him and see see what his strategy is about fighting one of the largest, most powerful organizations in the state who can either spend a hundred million dollars covering it up or a or a billion dollars. Uh, you yeah. know, my, my money's on, they're going to cap that stuff in place. And I don't know that anybody's going to do much about it, but we'll see. That'd be my guess. And it's been going on for a while. It's not a, a recent development. I mean, it's been going on for a while. Yeah. Well, the, the Barry Steam plant down here, they just been throwing that out in a in a in an in, in, uh, earthen pit since nineteen fifty six and it's uh, the the yeah, theory is always the been, ground and it's it soaks into the groundwater and arsenic and mercury and just all kinds of stuff and and, and so my hunting camp is like uh no more than seven miles from that Barry Steam plant. You know what? Oh, wow. in, in the Delta, yeah, I'm I'm pretty yeah. close to the Indian Mounds right over there on Bottle Creek. Yeah, and um and so, yeah, as a as a crow flies. I, matter of fact, you're sitting there at my camp. There are no electric lights in the Delta, but you can hear the claw crashing into the barge unloading the coal at Barry Steam Plant when you're laying oh, there wow. at night in the bed. Oh, wow. You can hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're oh, we're wow. we're really close and and uh, like that 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 land's been in my family. It was actually a Spanish land grant. So we've we've had that place oh, wow. for a long time, and uh, you know certainly don't want to see anything bad happen. And of course, neither do the power company people. Um, no. But but who you know who knows if we have a Katrina down here, if those dikes are going to hold up. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, Frederick was yeah. a pretty good no. stress test, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I would think so. But, it, it, I mean, still, like you said, those dikes break. Man, there's no telling what I was going to get in your water system and your, everything else. It, well, it would ruin the whole Delta system. Well, and probably kill everything at, at the mouth of Mobile Bay and offshore and who knows what. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And it's not like it's oil that is a naturally occurring uh, you know, they're bacteria. No, they're, no, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, artificial additives. Right, in that coal ash, it's full of arsenic. It's full of methylmercury. It's full of just all kinds of bad stuff that doesn't get consumed when it's burned for no. energy. So or if uh, it does get if it gets consumed in, in the the fish, it, it gets consumed in a bad way. Well, well if anybody's gonna glow in the dark, it's me because. <laughs> I eat I eat fish out of that delta and out of the Gulf just constantly and crab and and shrimp yeah. and all that stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, now I know that you're the president of the Alabama Law Institute. Is that by Correct. operation that, of your position or 
or how did you uh, get well, to that it, position? I, yeah, what happened is I've been a member of the law institute since I came into the legislature in 2002. What happened was when the Republicans took over in 2010, I became Senate Judiciary Chairman. Right. And so the, the institute's like, well, we got to have. So it used to be Roger Bedford was ahead of. He was ahead of for four years, and then they're like, well. We got to the new majority. You got to have the majority be in charge of it, and they just they elected me. I was I was the last guy standing. I guess in this one clear, Harry. It wasn't that you stepped forward; it's that everybody else stepped back. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, basically, yeah. They're like, who's the last man standing? And uh, and right. I took some time again. I'd been a member of the group for eight years. Okay, so I've been I've, I've worked with them for a while, and I'm also a member of what's called the Uniform Law Commission nationally. Okay, and they and come so- up with a lot of you. Uniform laws do with a lot of different stuff, and the Alabama Law Institute oftentimes takes their laws or their proposals and tries to put them into law here in Alabama. And so, did you got so the Alabama Law Institute, um, like you said, that like there's a uniform probate code. There's a uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Alabama was one of the last to adopt an LLC uh, statute. So all those came from the Uniform Law Commission. That's what I figured. Uh, but yeah, and because and, I, and because we yeah, are always last to adopt, you can yeah. be pretty sure that most of most of the statutes that are, that come out of that committee have been tried and, and tested in other states. Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't reinvent the wheel. That you you copied that from somebody else. Right, and 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 you know, and and copying off somebody else's paper who's being successful, I don't think is a, is a bad way to go. Um, yeah, because hey, you know it works somewhere else. It can work here. Exactly. So, um, so did you guys come up with the sentencing guidelines um, as part of the yeah. criminal justice reform? Funny deal, actually. The person, actually, well, I take this back. So we had the council state government come in. They're nonpartisan, and uh, they do a good job. But they actually helped us come up with the guidelines. But now we wrote them to adopt to our standards and our, our code. Um, are they perfect? No. There's a lot of things we could do better. I, I think there's a lot of things we could do better. But yeah, we we that was we we copied part of it from North Carolina and part of it from Texas. To but be the, honest with you. but the angle was, if somebody you know you, you had dis, uh, disparate uh, uh, implementation of the law, uh, <laughs> somebody would get death? caught with yeah. marijuana in Birmingham and get two days in jail, and somebody get caught with the same thing in Jasper. And do three years. Yeah, you're talking that now. You're talking about the uh, presumptive guidelines, which came into place. Uh, it's a bill I passed in 2013. Okay. Literally a one-page bill. So we used to have voluntary sentencing guidelines, which meant in Covington County, Harry, I can get sentenced for 10 years for a crime of possession. And in Shelby County, I might get probation. And so under the presumptive guidelines, it says, no, you got to treat everybody the same across county lines. And the real driving force behind that was there's a, a fear we were going to get sued for an equal protection violation. Right. You know, it depends on where I live as to what I'm going to get sentenced to. Well, and I've seen some good things come out of the Alabama Law Institute. So who's going to take your place out of the the Senate or the legislature to fill that we void? Or can know. you continue to serve? I can, but there's some attorneys who are in the legislature, some new guys who come in, both uh, uh, Will Barfoot out of Montgomery, Sam Gavan out of Huntsville, great attorneys. Uh, you know, you've got some good guys who can step forward on that. 
And so are you going to continue in your position uh, as economic developer for the city of Alabaster? No, 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 no. Actually, I've already, I'm going to step out of this role probably into March. Um, I've taken on another client too. So just so you know, I also represent prison fellowship nationally, Harry. I do a lot of work with the, uh, and I can't, under the ethics law, I can't do it in state. But okay. I go around the country and talk to other states about reentry programs and prison programs and programming that works and also those that don't work. And so I do that in states around the country. So they'll fly me to like Georgia. I'm going to Savannah next month. I was in literally Anchorage, Alaska two months ago talking about it. And then I'll be back in uh, Chicago next week on it. And, and they pay me to go there and talk about what programs work, which ones don't. And do we have any that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, we, have, we have some that work. Your real problem, Harry, is your what I call your pay-to-play statutes. So you pay 2500 bucks, and you get to go through the diversion program. Hey, I went through one. I know about it. And then you have some that say you got to have a – it's a merit-based. I go through it, and if you succeed, it doesn't cost you anything. Right. But, you know – we have some that work and some that don't. I think we got to reevaluate them all, though. Well, so who who's your campaign manager? When does it kick off? Um, um, so we kicked off, we kicked off last week. Angie Staniker out of Mo, out of uh, Montgomery is my out of floor, really is my consultant. Okay. Uh, I've got a guy Austin Tucker who travels and does everything. He's on the road with me all the time. We kicked off last week and March third's Republican primary, and that'll be it. So it's gonna happen fast. Yeah, and who, who? Which place are you running for? Who you running? I'm running against? for place place one. And originally, I thought Greg Shaw had told everybody he's tired. He's got his retirement. I'm going to run again. And so I signed up, laid everything in place, signed up to run. And then he said, "Well, I changed my mind. I'm going to run too." I said, "Well, it's too late. I've already got in." Right. So it's actually Greg Shaw uh, is going to run again. But we've got a nine to one fundraising advantage on him. Where's Greg from? Up. Greg's from Tallapoosa County. Okay. Tallapoosa. And he's a nice he's a nice guy. A real shy guy, but he's a nice guy. It's just, you know, it's just uh it, it it's a different time in our lives. And I'll tell you, I think coming from the legislature, here's yeah. not a bad idea to have somebody from the legislature move in because, you know, a lot of times we get confused on the whole legislature makes a law, courts interpret the law. Sometimes the courts get a little fun and uh, make up the law themselves. I agree with that. I see. I see. Oh, I bet I see it a lot more than you do. I bet you do too. I bet you. Do. <laughs> I bet you do too. Oh man. Well, listen. If there's anything that we can do, or if you'd like to come Thanks, on the man. show and talk to us, um, you yeah, know, I you and I worked together for a long time, yeah, and sure. I know you're. I know you're a a straight shooter and trying to do yeah. the the good uh, or the best job you can for the people of this state, and I want to support you any way I can. I tell you. Well, thanks, Harry. Hey, I appreciate you, man. And, and same here. I love to come on your show sometime. Well, and um, I, I don't know if I don't know if you're ready for uh, Paul and Rains. Um, they're they're a little out there, but uh, they're they're nice guys, and um, and I and and you know they're just trying to get some information out there to people, which is which is what sure. I'm trying to do. Um, yeah. And uh, so I guess I may st- stick my head in on you. 
Friday when I'm up there. If you're around, hey, give me a holler. Give me a holler. I'm in Alabaster all day on Friday. So give me a holler. I'll be up here, Harry. All right, Cam. Well, I certainly appreciate it, and good luck with your campaign. Thanks, buddy. You have a good day. Okay. You too. Bye bye.